And we just saw, you saw Brett Baer making a statement. They had a debate well into February. And not even mentioned, it wasn't even mentioned, the Democrats. We were very early, oh, I'm, I'm the president. And you know what I just did? And you know what I just... by the way, when you issued the ban, the virus was already here. Okay, and you know how many people, when I issued the ban, how many cases of virus were in the United States when I issued the ban? Do you know the number? There was... No, no, how many cases? Remember I said one person. How many cases were here when I issued the ban? But Tell did me. you know... No, 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 you have to do your research. How many... I did my research. On the 23rd of March, you said you knew this was going to be a pandemic. Can I tell you what? Well, I did know it. I did know it. All I have to do is look. So you knew all, anybody knew it. Just, are you ready? How many cases were in the United States when I did my ban? How many people had died in the United States? So do you acknowledge that you didn't think... Keep your voice down, please. Keep your voice down. Yeah, that sounds like a worthwhile press briefing. I'm so glad I watched them. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. is another reporter from CBS. Man, they've come out swinging. Swinging. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. Oh, my gosh. Well, look at what I did. Not enough. Well, what would have been enough? Because at the time, you told me it was too much. Don't you dare go back in history. This is so ridiculous. Not helping any of us uh, deal with a, a virus. Um, I uh, must say for the record that um, based on the latest revelation from Brian Stelter over at uh, CNN, I desperately long for toxic masculinity. Um, it, is, it is as important and critical to our society as anything I have ever seen. Because when you do not have toxic masculinity, clearly you end up with Brian Stelter. I'm gonna share the story and you'll catch what I mean. By the way, they consider, uh, the political left considers any actual masculinity to be toxic. So when I say toxic masculinity, you know what I mean. I mean actually being able to deal with things, actually having a sense of strength, actually understanding the, your job and your role, not being one of these beta males. The end of toxic masculinity is what left us the guy who wants you to have Obamacare while he's in his footy pajamas drinking cocoa. That, by the way, that guy, that's what uh, producer Ari looks like. Would you say you look like that guy if you were wearing glasses? Yeah, maybe. Ari's a better person, just so we're clear. Yeah, maybe. Everything they claim is toxic masculinity is about actually being a man. But you don't actually have to be a man in order to be strong. There are strong women out there. We have met them. We have married them. We were raised by them. And all of the people who have a sense of strength, not that they haven't had a bad day, not that they haven't shed a tear in their life, but that they can deal with adversity. All of them are looking at Brian Stelter and saying, dear Lord, what I wouldn't give to have toxic masculinity back in our lives. The tweet from Brian Stelter of CNN last night, I hit a wall. Can you do me a favor? Can you, can you play some of my, uh, some of my uh, music, uh, my, uh, my uh, dramatic reading music? Yeah, hold on. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's The Young and the Restless or Nadia's Theme. I think that's where you find it, because because this is important. You're going to need this. This is a one-two punch from, from Stelter right there. Thank you. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Here we go. 
Last night, I hit a wall. Gutted by the death toll, disturbed by the government shortcomings, dismayed by political rhetoric that bears no resemblance to reality, worried about friends who are losing jobs, kids who are missing school, and senior citizens who are living in fear. Let's stop right there. If you told me, man, I just started thinking about everything going on and the people hurt and the people dying, and, and I was like, holy cow, this is rough. I'd be right there with you. I'd be right there with you. I'd be like, yeah, man. Yeah, this is really rough. Makes us ask the question whether or not we're handling it right. My entire thesis for the past month is, are we handling it right? I make the argument that in many cases, no, not in all cases, but in too many cases, we can simply make changes. Now, Brian Stelter had stopped there. That would have been one thing. But he did not, thus the need for toxic masculinity. He continued. I crawled in bed and cried for our pre-pandemic lives. Tears that had been waiting a month to escape. I wanted to share because it feels freeing to do so. Now is not a time for faux invincibility. Journalists are living this, hating this, like everyone else. You can cut the music. Bitch, please, are you insane? Journalists are not living this like everybody else. They're not. You mean the ones who are getting paid? The ones who have the luxury to crawl in bed and cry for their pre-pandemic lives? The ones who don't have to worry about how they're going to feed anybody? Whether or not their employees are going to be able to feed their families? Whether or not that business is still going to exist? What the bloody hell they're going to do in June? What else are they trained to do? What other businesses are they going to be able to get into? What assistance is going to be there for them that wasn't given to this group and that group and the other group based on favors and those people who've made donations? You cried for your pre-pandemic life, and oh my goodness, the journalists are living this. The journalists are getting paychecks deemed essential. Now, I know radio people who have lost their jobs. And I know radio people who have had pay cuts. Program directors, engineers, talent, the people behind the mic that are referred to as talent. Did you... Brian, you see, you want to tell me about all the people that you're dismayed about, but no, it's about journalists. Holy cow. You know what? Maybe I'm taking the totally wrong approach to Brian Stelter here. Maybe he really and truly does feel and he wants to do some good. Well, go out there and do it. Go out there. And do it. I'm not going to tell you how. I'm not one of these people who says, why don't you write a check? Or, I mean, I, there could be moments where you say that kind of thing, but I'm not saying any of that. But you crawled in bed and cried? Um, why? Why? What? What is what? What is the point of the tweet? I'm not even so bothered if you did it. I'm bothered with the idea that you thought it necessary to share. That you think that somehow this is helpful. That the, this is not vulnerability that we see from you, Brian. 
It's not even a question of weakness. This is just weird. And that you make it about the journalists? Sorry, man. I never once think it's about me. It is about those people who are going through the laundry list of questions I just laid out. I don't have to go through the laundry list of questions. I know that as of this moment, I have a gig and I'm going to have the gig. I know this. I am indeed fortunate. I work my ass off to be fortunate, but I am indeed fortunate and I know it. Every day I'm aware of it. I was aware of it before coronavirus. I'm sure aware of it now. It's, it's a stunning piece, Brian. And yes, when I say it makes me long for toxic masculinity, how much better would it have been to say the first part and then follow up with, guys, we're going to fight through this thing and we're going to be better off on the other side and we're going to help the people who lose their jobs and hopefully we can work ways for them to find new jobs, better jobs. Or maybe they won't be better, but at least they'll be able to take care of their family and we can grow together from there. Maybe less hating each other and more working on this problem can get us a result. No. He had the luxury of crawling into bed and crying. Luxury. Meanwhile, fellow journalists over at the New York Times have a fantastic, amazing one-two punch. The one-two punch goes to a story about traveling. Stories at the New York Times that date back in February. Who says it's not safe to travel to China? The coronavirus travel ban is unjust and doesn't work anyway. That's what the New York Times put out there. At the same time, March 1st, Joe Joyce and his wife Jane set sail for Spain on a cruise, flying first to Florida. Joe's adult children, Kevin, Eddy, Kevin Eddie, and Kristen, suggested that the impending doom of the coronavirus made this a bad idea. Joe was 74, a non-smoker, and healthy. He didn't see the problem. He watched Fox and believed it was under control, his daughter told me. Early in March, Sean Hannity went on air proclaiming that he didn't like the way that American people were getting scared unnecessarily. He saw it all, he said, as like, let's bludgeon Trump with this new hoax. Fox changed course and took the virus more seriously, but the Joyces were long gone by then. On March 14th, they returned to New York from Barcelona. The next day, bars and restaurants were forced to close in the city. So the New York Times wrote a story, and the story says that because this guy listened to Fox News and Sean Hannity. He didn't pay attention, didn't think he was going to get hurt, didn't think he would be in any way damaged, and he went about going to Spain. Two days before March 1st, this same reporter was writing about how people shouldn't worry about coronavirus. Coronavirus. 